Well, I'll just say it. This has got to be one of the weirdest times that probably any of us can recall in our lifetime. Uh, as I've been out and about, um, I've seen so many different people react in so many different ways. And wherever you're at and whoever you are, first of all, welcome again. Thanks for joining us here today. Uh, my guess is wherever you're at, you've been affected somehow by this coronavirus, not infected, but affected by the effects of this virus in one form or another. You know, whether it was over the past several days, week and a half, when I was getting my hair cut, going to the grocery stores, just out running simple errands and talking to cashiers and stylists and just people I'd bump into in the lines, everybody had some sort of a very powerful emotional reaction to this, and my guess is so have you. You Maybe the powerful emotions that have affected you are the emotions of anxiety and worry. Maybe, Maybe you're worried about your own health. Maybe you're someone who's a little more susceptible to the effects of COVID-19. Or maybe, maybe you're someone who's maybe not susceptible to it, but could potentially get infected, be a carrier, not even know it, and, and potentially pass it on to someone else. And, and you're worried about that. Then again, maybe, maybe some of you aren't worried about your health, but maybe you're worried about all the other effects that are coming with this. Maybe you're someone who has lost your job, become temporarily unemployed because of this. And the thoughts going through your mind are, well, how am I going to keep providing for my family when the bills have to continue to come in? I still need to to pay for things and take care of my family without a steady income. Maybe there's there's some of you who are are wondering, am I going to be able to go back to school? Maybe thoughts of having a spring break are great, but maybe an extended spring break of potentially weeks, if not months and being socially isolated from your friends is driving you crazy, and you had all these plans, you had all these things about graduation and, and all these events that you wanted to make and memories with your friends, and, and you're not able to do that, and, and it makes you a little anxious. Maybe you get anxious just thinking about going to the grocery store. You're not even there, but on your way there, you're just, you're just anxious thinking, what if I get there, and the items that I need, the shelves are going to be bare and empty. How am I going to take care of my family? Or maybe your anxiety comes when you check up on your portfolio, your retirement accounts, and you see that the Dow and the NASDAQ has continued to take a nosedive along with your investments. How's that going to affect your future? Then again, maybe the powerful emotions of anxiety or worry don't describe you. But maybe instead for you, it's the powerful emotions of anger and frustration. You're... You're angry, angry that, that we're not able to, to meet together like we normally do. Or maybe, maybe you're just, just angry at, at some elected officials who have made this, these sweeping mandates and, and these recommendations that makes you feel like you're just this innocent bystander caught up in all of this and, and you feel maybe some of this is just a little overdone. Maybe you're angry with the media because you feel like they have taken this story and has completely overblown it and over-sensationalized this story so that it's making just more and more fear-based news, more and more fear-based clicks for their media, spreading more and more panic and hysteria, and it's not really helping. Maybe, 
Maybe you're just simply frustrated and, and disappointed with every time you go out or you hear stories or see people post videos of how this brings out the worst in people. People who immediately go to shelves and try to clean it all out and dump it into their shopping cart or carts, all of these different things, hoarding up for themselves and paying no attention for other people and seeing this as an opportunity to help and take care of other people. Maybe you're just angry at the coronavirus. Maybe you're just frustrated or angry at something. You don't know who, you don't know what to be angry. You're just, you're just angry. And wherever you're at on that spectrum, whether you are worried and anxious or whether you are frustrated and angry or anywhere caught up in between, it's my belief that there is an underlying element of fear in all of those emotions. Fear of the unknown. And that fear brings up a billion questions, doesn't it? How long is this going to last? And what happens if I do lose my job? And I have lost my job, and, and how long am I going to be without an income? And how long am I going to have to be staying isolated? And, and what if I go to the grocery store and there's not those things that I need? And, and am I going to graduate on time? Or how is this going to affect my learning? And, and how is this going to affect my social life? And, and man, when, when can the kids go away? And, and all of these things on and on and on. And, and with a billion questions and seemingly zero answers, that makes fear grow more and more and more to make you feel like, to make you feel like the circumstance is gigantic, and that's when fear causes so much damage, not just economically, not just socially, but spiritually too. And that's the reason why we decided here at Trinity to, to take a break from our regular series, to push pause and to set that series aside and, and speak words from God's book directly into the heart of fear, words from Psalm 46. Now, again, if uh, it's not in front of you, I give you another chance. Uh, if you'd like to follow along, uh, feel free to open it up and, and get there. We're going to go through these words. But these words are perfect. These words are, are, are words that are so practical, truths that are so timeless that wherever you are, wherever you're at locally, wherever you're at spiritually, Christian, non-Christian, these words provide the key to having a peace to having a stillness, to having a calm in the face of all the fear, all the hysteria, all the panic that's going on outside. These words are so practical. It's truths so timeless and so applicable that it's my prayer that they do speak peace and they do speak faith right into the heart of fear so that you, throughout however long this does go on, so that you can be still in the midst of all the madness and the chaos going on. So if you have it, if you'd like to follow along, let me read the first three verses of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, if you can picture what verses 2 and 3 say, that is something to be absolutely frightened of. I mean, just imagine you hear something and you pull the curtains, you open the shades, you look outside and the earth is giving way. <laughs> like earthquakes are going on and the mountain ranges are crumbling and crackling and falling down. Mountains 
falling into the heart of the sea. And speaking of the sea, what do you know? Tsunamis and storms and this raging world is going on outside. It would make you want to pull the shades back, turn the TV off. It'd make you want to hide under a rock, except that's probably quaking too, right? That is something to be scared of. And isn't that kind of how it feels right now? I mean, it's so weird, but it's, it's so bad. A friend of mine told me, you know it's bad when the sports world shuts down. Now, he wasn't saying that to try to make light of the seriousness going on, but instead trying to highlight it. I, I don't know if you followed that, but several days ago, uh, when the NBA shut down, I believe it was within a matter of about 48 hours, the rest of the sports world followed suit. We're supposed, to be enjoying, uh, we're supposed to be enjoying spring training and opening day for the Major League Baseball Series postponed indefinitely. And the Masters Golf Tournament, a tradition unlike any other, is having a year unlike any other. And I think you'd agree with me that this whole pandemic has given March Madness a whole new meaning. But like I said, he didn't say that to... to to try to make light of the situation. What, people often use sports to try to get away from the madness. And when that's gone, it just shows you how bad. It just highlights, it just underscores the seriousness of what's going on outside. Restaurants, stores, closing. Which means people, people losing their jobs, losing their income. Store shelves, Videos up of just showing you how bare it is and videos of, of lines all through Costco and everything and tensions raising. Uh, toilet paper and hand sanitizer are, are today worth more than gold. Uh, whoever thought that we'd see the day, right? The Dow Jones is down reaching historic lows if it hasn't gotten there already. And, and every day people are losing thousands and thousands and thousands more in their retirement portfolios. I mean, it is bad. It's like what the psalmist says. Everything outside is just, it feels like it's collapsing. It feels like it's, everything is going down the tubes. And yet the psalmist says, we will not fear. And understand how you cannot be afraid, how you will not fear in these circumstances. You have to understand what the psalmist said at first. Words that are so easy to read over, but, but don't read over them too fast. Take them in. The psalmist says right away in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. Refuge. Now, I wonder what word pictures come to mind when you think of refuge. When you hear that word, maybe the first image that comes to mind is kind of like this, this fortified underground bunker. And you're not wrong. That, that's kind of the idea. You know, back then, in, in the times when these words were written, the refuge was the safest place to go in times of trouble. Uh, picture yourself out on the outskirts of town, maybe in your house, maybe farming outside, and you look at the horizon, and here comes this massive army marching towards you. And they're armed with spears and swords and bows and arrows, and they're coming for you, and so you grab your kids and you grab your spouse because you realize you are not safe. Your house is not a safe place to go. It would not stand up against this army. No, they're coming for you. So you got to run. But where do you run to? Well, you run 
to your refuge. For some towns, this would be a, a, a tall, kind of tower-like thing right in the middle of the town. Or, or maybe for some places, it was like an entire fortified city wall that you would get in, and there's these high, thick, massive walls of stone to, to keep you safe so that you know once you get inside, those swords, those spears, those bows and arrows are just going to dull themselves on the exterior rock wall that is your refuge. You know, call it a, a stronghold, call it a fortress, call it a refuge, call it whatever you want, but you know that as long as you are inside this refuge, you are safe at, from whatever is going on outside. Uh, one such... Uh, ancient refuge is refuge in Israel known as Masada. Masada was built around 30 BC by a guy named Herod the Great, and he built Masada as a fortress to keep himself safe in times of danger, in times of panic. And if you were to be able to stand inside those walls, and it's still today one of Israel's most popular tourist attractions, you could still go there. If you stood inside the walls of Masada, you would understand why you would feel so safe and secure. If you get a look at a picture, Masada is built literally on the top of a cliff. And, and around the entire perimeter is an added strength and, and safety of, of a massive stone wall going all the way around. So if someone did somehow scale that cliff and, and you would have a, a chance to shoot arrows. You would have a chance to throw spears down at them. And by the way, that is a steep fall if you miss your footing and jagged rocks underneath. It, it seemed like the safest place. And in fact, that's what a, a bunch of Jewish rebels thought around 70 AD. Uh, they rebelled against the Roman authority. And, and as they were fighting the Romans, they made their last stand in the fortress of Masada. The Jewish rebels got up there, and for the longest time, they thought, we're safe. No one could penetrate this refuge, not even the massive Roman army. But all it took was time. And after a period of time, the Romans were able to find a way even to get in and penetrate the massive, mighty walls of Masada, proving that, that any man-made refuge can still be penetrated, can still be taken down. And the reason why I, I share that example with you is because I want you to, to ponder, and I want to ask you this question directly. During this time of chaos and unrest, what refuge are you running to? What, what refuge do you usually go to seek safety and comfort and calmness and stillness in? Because, to be honest, there's a ton of man-made refuges that, that we go to that we think, nope, as long as I've got this, I'm good. And maybe your refuge is your own four walls that we've been kind of quarantined and isolated in. And you think, yep, I got the food pantry stopped, stocked, and I've got all my goods here. I've got toilet paper. And, yeah, so how long this takes, let's do it. But can I ask you a question? How are you doing with that? How are you doing with, with being isolated and, and staying cooped up all the time? You getting a little cabin fever? You know, I wonder how many parents have had their children just kind of drive them nuts already. And I also wonder how many teens 
would say, my parents are driving me nuts. I need to get out. I need to go and be with my friends. I need to have my life outside these walls. Because you see, okay, the walls can be good, but forever? You can see that you can stock up on all the imperishable goods that you want, but even your four walls, this virus is showing, is quite perishable. Maybe, maybe your refuge has always been your retirement account, your bank account, your prudence, your responsibility. You've been responsible. You've built up quite the sizable nest egg. You, you, you're going to be fine when you get to retire or when you, when you get to that stage in life. You're going to be great, but now you realize that what's happened with this virus and what's happened to the economy, you've just seen that fortress literally crumble in the matter of just a week. And maybe you've never felt more vulnerable. Or, or maybe for you, your refuge is you. You've always been able to rely on me, right? You, you've always been able to rely on your own strength your own ingenuity, your own ability to plan. But with the ever-changing, the constant fluidity of the moment with, with new mandates and new recommendations and new announcements and new memos and new emails and new things coming at you from seemingly every elected official, your boss, every person above you, do you feel like a deer in the headlights? You tried to make one plan, but then you got to change it. You tried to make another plan, then you got to change it. And there's so much out of control that you just feel totally paralyzed by everything that's going on. And maybe right now what, what this is showing is you've never felt so helpless and so weak. The truth is, there are any number of makeshift, man-made refuges and strongholds that, that we have made and that we have, have gotten ourselves into this false sense of security, thinking, well, as long as I have it, I'll be good. And as long as I have my family, my kids, my friends, my accounts, my house, my fill-in-the-blank, if there's anything that this coronavirus is showing us, it's showing us how easy it is to break all of those apart and to expose them for the fake refuges that they really are. And maybe that's a good thing. A good thing in the sense that as this virus is crumbling all of those walls, maybe what God is doing is using this as a way to, to pull you to a different refuge. A refuge that is more secure than any 401k or Roth IRA, a refuge that is better than social isolation, quarantine, a perfect immune system, or even a cure for the coronavirus. A refuge is God. God himself. A God who, who is greater than the coronavirus. A God who is a refuge and strength that is so much bigger, so much stronger than it, that the coronavirus, that no pandemic, no amount of hysteria can touch. And isn't that what this psalm tells us, beginning at verse 4? The psalmist says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. 
God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. Now, before I had you picture something, but can you picture these verses? Like, like a river inside this, this stronghold, inside the city that is just a constant source streaming out of blessings and life and luxury. I mean, it's just, it's just this beautiful scene. And the best part is, God is there. Because God is there, it's not going to fall. This fortress is not going to crumble. I mean, they say it, right? Nations rise and fall. Kingdoms are in uproar. And, and guess what? All this stuff going on out there has no effect of those taking refuge in her. And I love how the psalmist ends on verse 6. He lifts his voice. Not he flexes his muscles, he breaks his sweat, he exerts a great amount of strength. No, he just lifts his voice, and if he wants, the entire earth melts. When it makes you think of God at creation, he just speaks and the entire universe comes into existence. Jesus, on a wild storm in the Sea of Galilee, he speaks, and guess what? That, that crazy storm, that sea becomes as calm as glass. Jesus speaks to a little girl, Talitha Kum, to a, to, a, to a dead friend, Lazarus, come out, sweetie, get up, and guess what? Bodies rise from the grave, come back to life. Just by speaking. See, if anything, that shows you just the kind of God that we have, just how great, just how mighty, just how strong our God really is, how much stronger, how much bigger, how much greater he is over these things. And, and if that is your refuge, if that is the God who is on your side, who is reigning and ruling and in control, is it any wonder then why verse 10 of Psalm 46 is maybe the most popular verse of this entire psalm? Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Ironic that that's what everybody is telling us to do right now. Don't panic. Don't go into hysteria. Be still. Be calm. Just, just be calm. And yet, it's the one thing that nobody is doing. Nobody is being still. No, everybody is panicking. Everybody is losing their minds. And, and do you know why? Because this coronavirus is showing us just how little we have control over things. Like, I'm still when I'm in control, when I know how things are going, when I know what's going to happen, when I know the next step, I can be still because I know I'm in control. But this is making us realize there is so little you and I have control over, and it's exposing that. And when that happens, we panic and we freak out. But the best part about this verse is it doesn't just tell us be still, but it tells us how we can be still. Know that I am God. I'm God, he said, not you. I'm in control, not you. When you believe that, when you see the beauty of that, you can be still. Now, these words make me think of another time that be still was spoken in the Bible. In Exodus chapter 13, 
the Israelites had, uh, had fled Egypt. Pharaoh had decided to let the Israelites go, and so they had marched out of Egypt, and they had gone all the way up to the Red Sea. But by this time, Pharaoh had changed his mind. He said, no, what have I done? No, I'm, I'm going to send my mighty Egyptian army out after those Israelites, and I'm going to show them who's boss. And so when the Israelites get to the Red Sea, they suddenly turn around, and who do they see on the horizon except this mighty Egyptian army? And so stuck between an army and a Red Sea, they freak out. They're, they're panicking. They're losing their minds. But this is what their leader Moses says to them. Exodus 13, beginning at verse 13, he says, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. How can you be still when your backs are up against the wall, so to speak, and you're facing an army? When you know the Lord is fighting for you? How can you be still when an epidemic, a pandemic, is affecting the entire world around you and you have no control over it? When you know the Lord Almighty, the God of Jacob, is with us, is our fortress. When you know that the Lord is fighting for you and when you know that the Lord has fought the greatest battle already, the battle against the greatest disease this world has ever known. And it wasn't any sort of virus that has infected just a, a number of people. No, this is a disease that affected every single person who's ever lived. A disease of sin. And when God made the world, he, he never wanted sin to be there. That was a man-made creation. This was a man-made disease, mankind's sin. And from that time on, it, it infected every single person who ever lived. But you know what God didn't do? God didn't quarantine himself. Stay away and say, you guys got this. Figure it out. I hope you come up with a plan. Good luck. It, I'm out. You guys are... No, instead, God sent us a cure in the form of his own son. He didn't stay isolated, but instead, he sent his son to get his hands dirty in the mess of the brokenness, in the mess of the sin and, and all the effects of the sin, all the brokenness, all the, the, everything that's wrong with this world is all because of sin. It's all the effects of this disease. And yet, our, our Savior meddled in it, but did not get his hands dirty, was not infected at all. Because he came to be the cure. And he gave us that cure when it cost him everything. When on that cross, he cried out to his Father, Put it on me. All the sin, all the disease, everything that is messed up with your people, put it on me. And he took on the effects of that sin. He became sin. And he took on the punishment, the suffering, and the death that you and I deserve for that. So that you could be, you could receive the cure that you could, could be invited into the refuge of forgiveness of sins. The refuge of God's presence, his ever-present presence, and his unending love.
so that there would be nothing to keep you out of the refuge of God. And if your God has already fought and won that battle, what do you and I have to be afraid of? What do you and I have to worry about? All that we have left to do is to be still. Now, I know that's easier said than done, so as we wrap this up, uh, I want to give you two practical questions that I believe will, will point you even closer to God and, and help you be still. And the first question I want you to wrestle with is, what message do you need to hear less of right now? You know, in this time of uh, quarantine and social isolation, um, you know, we're, we're constantly plugged in any time of day to, to things like this, our, our phones and, and our screens. And it's good to stay informed. That is very wise. But maybe there's also some wisdom into moderating how much information you take in. Especially in this time when we're consuming more and more of it because we get bored because there's nothing else to do. Maybe one of the best things that we can do is to power down these devices. To, to turn off that screen so that we're not bombarded with the messages and the fear-based stories that are going on, lest we lose sight of who our refuge is. And the second question that I want you to wrestle with is not just what message do you need to hear less of, but what messages do you need to hear more of? Because what's going to give you more stillness and peace? seeing uh, the news of the latest death toll and the infection numbers and the spread of this virus worldwide or God's promises. Promises to never leave you, to never forsake you. Promises of a God to, to always be there for you an ever-present help in trouble. Promises of a God who is stronger, who is greater than this, who is your refuge and strength, a God who is with you always? I think you know the answer to that question. And maybe you can use this time to put that word, to put that message back into your hearts because God promises that when you do and when you focus on that, you and I can be still. It's my prayer that this pandemic ends soon. It's my prayer that you don't get infected that you stay healthy. It's my prayer that you, you stay uh, free from the, all the effects of a, a continued, extended social isolation. It's my prayer that all of this goes away. But the truth is, we don't have any promise of when this will end. And yet, if Psalm 46 tells us anything, it tells us that you don't need to have any of those answers to be at peace and to be still. Because instead, all you need to know is that the Lord Almighty is with us. That the Lord is fighting for you just as he fought that great battle of sin and won. That the Lord is not about to leave you. He's not about to forsake you. And if you understand that this massive, mighty God is your refuge, inviting you, welcoming you in, saying, come to me, all you who are and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you understand that he has overcome the world, and you and I can truly be still. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, it's chaotic. It's messed up. It's a world that, that unfortunately we're having to deal with these effects and these things that we've never dealt with before, not, not as a present society. But it's not new to you. It's not as if you didn't know this was going to happen, and it's not as if you don't know the outcome of this. And for all the questions and for all the fears and for all the worries and for all the frustrations that we have, we don't need to know a single answer because we know you. We know your love. We know you have plans for us. You already know how this is going to end. All we need to do then is to be still, to go back to your promises, to see that you're fighting for us, to see that you're on our side. So use this as an opportunity to make us flee whatever man-made structures, whatever man-made refuges that we have made. Let us flee from those. And let us instead put our hope, put our confidence, put our strength. Let us seek you as our refuge. Allow us that we can do that. Allow us that we can reprioritize you and put you back number one in our lives, to put you back center in our hearts so that we can be still and know that you are God, know that you are in control, you are reigning, you are ruling, and you love us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.